Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And once again, if you're our guest or if you're watching this later this week um, online for the first time, we want to welcome you and say thank you so much for joining with us. Um, My name is Pastor Aaron, if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet. And I'm the lead pastor here at NCC, and we are so excited that you're joining with us. We're in our third week of this series of conversations called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And we're looking at some difficult topics um, of how we wrestle with our faith, how we continue to trust in God, even when things don't turn out like we thought they would. And so we started um, the first week looking at pain and suffering and how we deal with that in our life and how we trust God. Last week, we talked about what do we do when God says no, when we come to God with a request and he says no. And so what that looks like, that sometimes God is saying no because he's saying yes to something better. Sometimes God says no because um, he knows what he's doing and he wants us to trust him and he has our best interest in mind. And so today we're going to look at this third topic in this series of when God doesn't make sense, how do we face the issue of evil in the world around us? How do we wrestle through that? How do we deal with injustice, with violence, with, with the things that we see going on in the world around us? And you don't have to look that far on the news or on your phone or on social media to see everything that is happening. And in our minds, in our hearts, in our faith as believers in Christ, What do we do in those situations? What do we do when we're having conversations where people are asking about our faith in God as it pertains to the evil in the world around us? Now, I've talked to people, I'm sure most of you have, and a lot of people, they start with this idea, well, how can God exist with all of the evil that's going around? How can you believe in a loving God? How can you believe in a compassionate God? How can you think that God is real when you see the evil all around you? How can you have faith that God actually exists. And as I was walking through this message, I was reading one of my favorite Christian speakers and authors. His name is Dr. Ravi Zacharias, um, and he's a Christian apologist. And so he travels to well-known universities and he um, explains the Christian faith. And so at one of his talks, this was a number of years ago, he was approached by a student at the end of his talk who asked this question. Dr. Zacharias, how can you believe in God? How do you believe God exists because of the evil that we see in the world around us? How can you even think that there is a good, loving God, all-knowing, all-powerful, when you see the evil around us? And so Dr. Zacharias said, let's just start to look at the question that you're asking. And he said, can I ask you, if you believe in evil, don't you also believe in good? And the student responded right away, yes, I, I guess if there's wrong, there has to be right in the world. There's evil and the world's messed up. There has to be a way that it was supposed to be. So yes, I agree, there has to be good. And Dr. Zacharias said, well, if there's good, doesn't there have to be some kind of moral law? Doesn't there have to be a way on which we distinguish what is good and what is evil? So wouldn't you agree with that? And the student kind of wrestled with that idea, but he came to the conclusion, yes, if there is good and if there is evil, there has to be a standard by which we rate what is good and evil, so there has to be a moral law. And so Dr. Zacharias said, wait a minute, if there's a moral law, where does that standard come from? Wouldn't you agree that there's some kind of transcendent being, that there's something beyond ourselves, not just our feelings, not just our emotions, not just the government or culture, but there's something beyond us that has established that moral law? And the student paused for a moment and he said, yeah, I guess there would be. There's evil, then there has to be good. If there's good, then there has to be a moral law. If there's a moral law, there has to be a moral law giver. 
Dr. Zacharias said, then what are you asking? And the student said, wait a minute, what is my question then? And he kind of scratched his head and the audience began to laugh. And he said, Dr. Zacharias said, I'm not trying to make light of it, but it is, it's confusing because you cannot have evil separated from God, this standard of good and this moral lawgiver. And so what we do is we have to wrestle through, wait, there is a God. Evil doesn't disprove God. It actually proves that there is a God. What we have to wrestle through is what is God's response? When we look at injustice in the world around us, when we look at violence, when we look at hatred, when we look at greed and lust and all of these things, what is God's response and how do we deal with that? How do we wrestle through those injustices? And every worldview has to face this. Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, all of these, Christianity, all of these ideas have to wrestle with this issue of how do we understand God in light of the evil that we see in the world around us? And as followers of Christ, we look to the scriptures and that's where we gain our understanding of, yes, what do we believe about God? What is God's response? What does God say? How did evil come to exist in the world? We start to understand these ideas and then we know our response, what that should be like. I remember as a young kid, we had close family friends and they owned a large farm and we would go out there almost every weekend and hang out with them. We had been at their house quite a bit. And on their farm, my brother and I, we were younger. We were about five and six years old at this time. We had boundaries, places we could and couldn't go on the farm. And one day when my mom and Earlene, this, this lady that owned the farm, they were in the kitchen, I snuck out the back door and I went to the barn. Wasn't allowed to go in the barn. And a little bit later, I didn't know this, but they could see out the kitchen window and they could see me going towards the barn. And so when I came back in, I heard mom say this, Aaron, and that's all she had to say. I don't know if you had that kind of relationship with your parents, but that's all she had to say in that moment. And I knew, oh no, I'm in trouble. And so I, as a little kid, think I can hide from this trouble. And I take off running down the hall. I lock myself in the guest room and I hide underneath the bed. And all of a sudden, my mom and Erlene, they come to the door and they knock on the door. And mom's like, Aaron, unlock the door. And I'm like, I don't know how to. And she's like, I know you do because you just locked it. The door was unlocked a few seconds ago. You're the one that locked it. And I'm like, no, mom, I don't know how to unlock this. I'm, I'm trying real hard. And I would wiggle the door handle to make it sound like I was, I can't get it, mom, I can't. And all of a sudden I heard Erlene say, hey, I'll get our older son, Paul, to go in through the window because there was a large window. And I realized in that moment, I'm trapped. There's no way of escape here. And so I opened that door and I faced the music of the punishment that I was about to get because I had disobeyed. And when I was thinking about that, that's kind of like the story of when evil first came into the world. We see this in scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at this. How did evil e even get into our world? And it's found in Genesis chapter three, verse nine of the scripture. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. It's that blue book. You can take that out and turn to page two. This is right at the beginning. And we're going to walk through this. And in case you're unfamiliar with this story, let me give you a quick snapshot of what God has done. He has created the world. Everything that we see around us, the stars, the sun, the moon, the universe, all of the plants, all of the animals. He's created man and woman, and then he's placed them in the garden. And in this beautiful garden where God looks around, he looks at his creation and he says, this is good. There is tree, there's food for them to eat there, there's plants. And God places the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. And he tells Adam and Eve, hey, don't eat of this. Because if you do, you will experience death. And 
Adam and Eve are walking through the garden and they're tricked by Satan. And Satan looks at them and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he says, you know what? God's holding out on you. God knows that if you eat of this fruit that he's told you not to eat of, if you'll simply do that, you'll become like God. And God doesn't want that. And so he's withholding. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. And so both Eve and Adam fall for the temptation. They take the fruit and in disobedience, they eat of the fruit. And they invite so many things into our world through that one act of disobedience. And this is where we pick up the story. It says in Genesis chapter three, verse nine, it says this. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Okay, just imagine them like I was at five years old hiding under the bed. They knew what they had done was wrong. But the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. She gave me some of the fruit of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Now let me pause right here. What's going on? The first man and the first woman, they have disobeyed God. God's not confused in this moment, okay? And he's not calling out to them because he doesn't really know where Adam is. He's wanting to know their response in this moment. He's giving them the opportunity, like my mom gave me, to fess up and to be truthful, and they don't. They start pointing the fingers at everyone else. It's not my fault, God. This is what happened. It's the woman you gave me. The woman says, no, it's the serpent. He's the one that deceived me. No one's being honest, and they're making the situation worse by entering in more blame and more shame and guilt into the story. And so God looks at them, and he says to the woman, if you skip down a few verses in verse 16, Genesis 3, 16, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat the bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, this gives us the first story and the beginning of this story of how sin, disobedience, of how evil entered into the world. This is how this all began. It's because Adam and Eve, their disobedience, and they invited brokenness. They invited sin into the world. They realized this in this moment. That's why they hid. And in a similar fashion, we need to realize when we're wrestling with this idea of evil, we are the ones who invited sin and brokenness into the world. This isn't God that did this. See, so many times we want to believe that. We want to point the fingers like Adam and Eve. We want to blame someone else. So when it comes to evil, it's easy as men and women to point the finger at God and say, God, you did this. How could you let this happen, God? Why would you create a great world and then allow evil and sin to enter into that world? And, and that's not what happened. We are the ones who introduce brokenness. Do you hear what God is saying here? We're the ones who introduce sin into the world. We allow that to happen. There's only one thing that God says he is doing because of this. And I'm sorry, ladies, but it has to do with you. God said, hey, 
your pain is going to be increased in child. I'll multiply that pain in childbirth, okay? So when you're there having a kid and you're screaming out in pain, just look at your husband and say, this is your fault, okay? <laughs> your sin, your disobedience, okay? We caused that. So God does say, that's the one thing that he says, hey, here's a repercussion of what you've done. But do you realize everything else after that point, it's the consequences for what we've done, of what we've allowed? And so if you've ever been in a relationship, guys and girls, and there's been this tension and this friction, God's saying, hey, it's because of evil in the world. That's the fault of sin, where it's like, hey, we're married, but we're not on the same page. We can't get things kind of lined up. It, it goes all the way back to the very beginning of time. It's because of sin and shame in our lives. It's because Adam and Eve, they, they disobeyed it. And we have joined in that pattern with them of disobedience. We have allowed evil to enter into the world. If you've ever experienced pain, walking in the middle of the night and you've stubbed your toe while you're going to the bathroom or your kid leaves out his Legos and you walk across them and you're screaming, right? All of those, it's because that pain that you and I experienced, it's because we allowed sin. We invited sin into the world and brokenness, death, even death itself. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's because of the evil that we have invited into the world. And God is saying, this is the consequences of your actions. And this isn't God trying to judge us. This isn't God's punishment towards us. This is the natural outcome. We broke the physical world around us. This was not just something spiritual. This wasn't just a spiritual disconnection that happened with God. We physically broke the world around us. And God's saying, because of that, this is what's happening. There's now pain. There's now suffering. There's now evil. There's now strife. There's now anger. There's division that has entered the world because you have invited, you as my creation, you've invited evil into the world. We do this with our kids. I don't know if you remember growing up, but there were times where I'd get in trouble and I'd get the lecture, okay? Did anyone else get that when you were growing up? And my thought was, please just spank me and get it over with. Like, let's just be done with this at this point, okay? Because the lecture seemed so much worse. Them sitting there talking to me was so much worse than whatever I was gonna face on the other end, getting grounded or whatever that was. I'm sure our kids are exactly the same way. Whenever we start talking, they roll their eyes, they cross their arms, they're huffing and puffing. But we want them, hey, here's the natural outcome. If you don't listen to authority, what's going to happen when you get older and the cop pulls you over? If you talk disrespectfully to people, someone's not going to lovingly correct you. They're going to use violent physical force until you stop talking disrespectful to them. So we walk with our kids through this. If you don't follow through, what's going to happen when your boss says, I want you to do that? And you think, yeah, I don't really need to do that. You're going to get fired, right? So we, we talk with them through this. Here's the natural consequence of what you have done. And when we look at evil coming into the world, this is God stopping Adam and Eve saying, here's the natural consequence of what you've done. You've invited pain. The wages of sin, of evil being introduced into the world, it is death. That's the natural outcome of this. And we need to realize that when we look at evil, we need to stop asking the question, God, what have you done? We need to start asking ourselves the question, what have we done? We are the ones who have invited evil into the world. God is not the problem. We are. God is the solution in this equation. And so as we start to wrestle with this and understand, God, how do we understand you? How do we look at your love and your compassion in light of all of this? We have to realize, wait, this began with us. 
We are the ones who invited pain and suffering and death and evil into the world. And so then we look at scripture, well, what is God's response? If we as God's creation allowed evil to come into the world, then how does God respond to this? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn this morning, excuse me, to Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Colossians 1, 19, and it's on page 572 of that Bible there in front of you. And God shows us in this passage right here, in this scripture, his response to the evil that we have invited into the world. And this is what it says. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, for in him, this is talking about Jesus Christ, for in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God himself came and dwelled in humanly form, and through Jesus, he reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And he has now reconciled in his body of his flesh by his death in order to present you and I holy and blameless and above reproach before God. So Paul, this writer in the New Testament, is explaining this evil has come into the world. Many times when we think of that, we want God just to give us a pass. We want God to just ignore that. And that's not what Paul says happened here. God had to do something about the evil that we allowed into the world, what we invited through our sin. We invited death and pain and suffering. Someone had to pay the price for that. And so Jesus stepped in our place. He made peace through the power of the cross, through the blood of the cross. That was God's answer to the evil that you and I, the disobedience that we had brought into the world. We messed up and we broke the world. And Christ came. God is just. And so he redeemed and reconciled the world back to himself. Do you get that? God is a just God. He's a just God. And so he had to redeem and reconcile the world back to himself. Because through our evil, through our sin, we broke the world around us. And so God restored it. How did he do that? He did that through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, through the blood on the cross. And I look at this, and this is where we mess this up so many times, We want a God that doesn't make sense. We want a God that's just, but that will ignore our sin, right? It's okay, don't worry about it. We want a God that's compassionate, but that is vengeful towards our enemies. Take them out, God, they deserve that, right? We want a God that's truthful. Yes, we want a God that speaks the truth, but can you be politically correct, please, okay? Can you say the right things? That's what we want. We want a God that doesn't make sense. And that's not who God is. God is just. And his answer towards evil, it is just. And we think about it so many times, and we do. We want that past. We want God to kind of ignore it. And God can't do that because he's a just God. And it doesn't make sense for him to. Because think about that in your own life. If someone came and took your spouse, your children, your parents, a close friend, someone that you love, and they tortured them and brutally murdered them, And you went to the court to seek justice, and the judge says, it's okay, don't worry about it. We're going to just kind of forget about that. You would scream out, wouldn't you? You'd say, wait, someone has to be held accountable. If you owned a car and you saw someone steal that car, you would go to the court system and you would say, wait, someone has to pay for this. Someone has to be held accountable. Something has to be done for this. See, we want justice when it serves our purpose. And so God had to bring justice to the world because we invited evil in. And he wasn't just going to ignore it. 
This isn't God. Christianity isn't God saying, don't worry about it. You're fine. Just go ahead and keep on sinning. No, he's saying, no, you need to understand someone paid the price for that. And it was my son. And he went to the cross because you and I, we could not pay the price. We didn't have what it takes to right the wrong that we had committed. We had no way to correct the evil that we had invited in the world. And so God said, it's okay. I'll take care of it. I'll step in and I'll pay the price for you. It was through his blood on the cross that he made peace and reconciled everything back to himself. What's God's answer to evil? It's Jesus. Through his death on the cross, he said, I'll take your punishment. When you can't pay it, it's okay. I will pay the price for you. It's not like I'm going to ignore the sin. It's not like I'm going to ignore evil and say, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. No, someone's going to answer and it's going to be me. God said, I will take your place. I'll step in for you. And Christianity is so beautiful because of its answer towards evil. See, there are other worldviews that would tell you, well, there's some kind of cosmic scorecard. And their answer to evil is just try to do enough good stuff and maybe it'll outweigh the bad stuff, and maybe in some future life you'll come out ahead and you'll be a little bit better off than you are right now. And how do you ever know who's keeping score? And how do you know if what you're doing is good enough or if it's bad enough to kind of outweigh what you, there's no way to know that. Other religions tell you, and sometimes people have mistaken Christianity for one of these, if you just work hard enough, like some kind of cosmic community service, God, just give me a few hours of probation and I'll work this out. And somehow that will make me right before God. That'll answer the evil that we see in the world around us. And God's saying, no, when you're talking about genocide, when you're talking about murder, when you're talking about rape, when you're talking about greed and lust and jealousy and violence, your little good works are not enough to satisfy the justice that's required. The only thing that will do that is the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's writing about. See, that's why it doesn't make sense because I wouldn't have done that if I was God. I wouldn't have given my only son. And yet that's what he does. He steps in our place. See, Christianity is so powerful. And when we look at this, God's response is so powerful because it's right. We couldn't answer the issue of evil on our own. We're the ones that God is in this mess. And so it took a God to come in and rescue us and redeem us and say, I'm reconciling everything back to myself. I'm gonna make it right through the blood of my son. He's gonna pay the price for you. And then look at this, what else he does? He changes the story. Because not only are you and I a part of the problem, not only did you and I invite evil into the world and we couldn't do anything to fix it, but then God turns around after he saves us and he says, I want you to be part of my redemption. I want you to be part of what I'm doing. I want you to be a part of how I'm restoring and reconciling the world. There's this verse that we quoted a lot of times here at New Community Church. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We love to talk about this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we kind of stopped there and we're like, yes, Jesus, you made us new. But that's not where Paul, the writer of this, stopped. Listen to what else he says. And so it's through God, through Christ Jesus, who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you hear that? 
Christ redeemed you, and then he turned around and he said, wait, I want you to help redeem the world around you, that in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God's not saying, not only am I redeeming you, but then I'm inviting you into the story. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing to bring justice in the world around you. You see the brokenness. You see all the things that are going on. I'm inviting you into the story to be a part of bringing justice to the world. That's what Micah chapter 6 verse 8 is talking about. And what is it that the Lord requires of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is God saying, yes, you were a part of bringing evil into the world but I've saved you and I've redeemed you. And now my response to evil is I'm sending you back out into the world. And you're carriers of my gospel. You're carriers of healing. You're carriers of justice. You're carriers of compassion. That whenever you see racism, you stand up against it wherever you find it. Whenever you see injustice, you stand up against it. Why? Because God has entrusted to you the ministry of reconciliation. When you see modern day slavery, you speak out against it because God has given to you the ministry of reconciliation. This is how God answers the evil in the world around us. He sends us as his church to be his light to bring his salvation, his reconciliation to the world around him. This is how God answers the evil that you and I invited into the world. Let me leave you with this last thought right here. Evil isn't just an external problem. It's an internal problem. It's not just something out there. It's not just an issue of all mankind. This is an issue that each of us faces on a very personal level. I was listening to another story or podcast by Dr. Ravi Zacharias, and he was talking about a time where he was in his office in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was speaking with a well-known business owner. This guy um, was known all across the United States, had a very large company in business, and he said, we were dialoguing back and forth, and this business owner kept saying, I don't know how you can believe in God. Look at the war that's going on. Look at violence. Look at bombings and all of these things that are happening. Look at child slave labor and all of these things that are, how can you believe in God? And he began to talk about this business owner. I I give money to these charities. I'm, I'm trying to stop this, but where is God at in all of this. And Dr. Zacharias said, I am so moved by your heart for injustice, your compassion, what you've done as a business leader to answer the issue of evil around the world. I want to pause for a moment and ask, what have you done with the evil you found in your own heart? He said the guy had to stop for a moment because he had no response. And it's easy for us, church, many times to just think the problem's out there somewhere. That if we just get the right government, get the right policy, raise enough money, we do enough right things, then somehow it'll all come together. This is not just an external issue. It's an internal one. What have we done about the evil we have found in our own heart and in our own life? What do we do when the lights go down at night and we're sitting there and the TV's off and we have to wrestle with thought patterns and processes and jealousy and anger and lustful thoughts and vengeful and spiteful ideas in our heart. What do we do with that kind of evil? Because no amount of money solves that. 
And even the good works that we do, they're not gonna answer that issue. See, God is the only one that makes sense in those moments. When he says, I realize you can't fix it on your own, it's okay. I've already paid the price. When you face that kind of evil in your life and you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do, I'm telling you, I've already made peace for that. It's through the blood of my son, through Jesus Christ. He's paid the price for your sin. And now I'm inviting you into the story to bring justice, to bring redemption to other people around you.